That was fabulous. Thank you again for being here this morning. I'm very excited about the, uh, the new year. I look back at last year and how things went. I'm just very, very excited. The opportunities we have for this year and uh, the plans that we're making and the, uh, for me, dreams, desires, some things I, I, I would like for us to do that um, praying about, and I hope that you will get behind that. More church. It's very, very important. Um, one of the things to me that, that over the three years ago when we had the whole COVID thing, uh, one of the bad things about COVID, I think there were a lot, but one of the really bad things about COVID was the, the attitude change that people had towards church. Now, I get it. Our government, our government came out and labeled uh, you know, church as non-essential when they would leave bars and other things like that open. But then again, I expect our government to do that because um, they're not very nice. But what has happened is God's people got used to not coming to church. And I've noticed, and I'm not nitpicking, but if it is, pray for me. Um, I've noticed that people will miss church very, uh, very easily now. Well, I can watch the live stream. And, and by the way, I, I appreciate the live stream for when you're sick. And, it's, and it has its place. But sometimes we, we replace that with church. And of course, that's not what church is. Um, we have the philosophy that church can now casually be missed because our problem is we only see church as a, a service we attend. Church is more than just attending a service. There's so much more to it. And if we look at church, you say, why do you push church, Pastor? Because the church was not our idea. The church was God's idea. And by the way, I can look back at my, my Christian life, and one of the things that has helped me, of course, getting in the Bible and all that, that's, that's foundational. But one of the things that's helped me in my life is church. I don't come to church because I'm, I'm the pastor. I did, I don't say this often, but I think when I got up this morning, uh, I told my wife, I'm like, I don't want to go to church today. And she said, don't go. And you know why she said that? Because she didn't want to go. But uh, I'm joking. I like going to church. And I like, believe it, being around most of you. Those of you that are 49er fans, I don't like you a whole lot. You know, I'm kind of liking the Raider fans better than the 49er fans. But none of them are here because they're all in jail. But let's get back to the scripture here. But church is important. And I think we need to scrub that mindset and be involved, not just attending church, but being a member of a church. If you come to this church and you feel like this is church, you ought to be a member. And you ought to just jump in. And you ought to be a part of what's going on. I guarantee it will bless you. But let's get to the message here. Hebrews chapter 10 focuses on the perfect sacrifice of Christ for our sins. We typically, if we're going to preach on church, we read verses 24 and always church at verse 25, but uh, there's a lot more to it. We read the verses that talks a little bit about that. Hebrews is a book that basically, if you want to boil it down to a theme, and it's one of the books people say is a little harder to understand. It talks a little about some of the Old Testament things. But really, what the theme of Hebrews is, is that Christ is better. 
He was better than the Old Testament priest. He's better than the Old Testament sacrifice. He's better than all of the things in the Old Testament because those were pictures that were pointing to Christ, but now we have Christ. He's better than the angels and all the different things. This one is really chapter 10. He's, he was better than the Old Testament sacrifices because Christ's sacrifice provided a permanent payment for our sins. Christ's sacrifice does not need to be repeated. But one of the greatest benefits of his payment and sacrifice is that it gave us access to God. We don't need anybody to go to God for us. You see that he uses a phrase there, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure, pure water. Yeah, we go to church, but we're going to push you to draw near to God. Don't just, some people settle for coming to a, a service every now and then or all that. But really, we want you to be here and God wants you to be at church because he wants you to strengthen and draw near to him. Get closer to him. That's his desire. Let's not settle just for salvation and very little else. He also tells us in verse 23, let us hold fast. The profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. Not only are we to draw near to him because of our salvation, we're to hold on to our profession of our faith. We're to hold on to, to, to the beliefs of our salvation. We're to hold on to who we are as Christians. And by the way, as we read this, <clears throat> you understand the people that originally read this portion of scripture that it was written to, they were persecuted for their faith. So when they were told to go to church they could have been persecuted for going to church. And they could have been persecuted for what they believed about the faith. But he says, you still need to go. You still need to stand up for your faith. And then in verse 24, he says, and let us, as we get into the church aspect of the verses, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You see, uh, as we are drawing near to God and as we are holding strong our profession of faith, we still need to be and meet together. We need other Christians. If you don't believe that, you are going to struggle. God says we are supposed to consider one another and we're to provoke one another and, and encourage one another. That's very important. How do we do that? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So what does the word forsake mean? Here's what it means. Abandon, abandoning, and deserting. When I think of that, I would think of a parent who would desert their children, abandon their family. That's just bad, right? What do they call that, deadbeat dads? We got a lot of deadbeat moms too. I would never do that. And so that word just has bad connotation abandoning or forsaking that which is right, that which is good. And he says, don't do that. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself. That's talking about church. Assembling means a gathering of Christians. We, the word church, a called out assembly. There are people that try to downplay the church and they'll say that, well, it's invisible church. Everybody who's saved is part of the church. Not true until we get to heaven. Because when we get to heaven, we'll all be assembled in the same place. 
But until then, we have our local assemblies where we get together. He says, don't, as, as, you're, as you're appropriating this salvation and what Christ did, his sacrifice, which is so much better, draw nearer to me. But don't forsake assembling together. Stand, stand, uh, stand strong in your faith, but don't forsake each other. When you forsake church, you are forsaking your brothers and sisters in Christ. You are forsaking the place that God has for us to come together. So what is the message? God does not want us to abandon or forsake this church, quite the opposite. He tells us that we need church and we cannot abandon or desert gathering together. So why the theme more church? Because we don't just need some church, we need more church. I don't need just some encouragement, I need more encouragement. I don't need some spirituality, I need more spirituality. We need more. Not only that, he says, uh, he doesn't say, don't for, you, you, he goes uh, so much, he goes, in, uh, let's go back to verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting so much, exhorting one another so much the more, more church. But it's not just more, he says, much the more. That almost sounds redundant, right? Like uh, ginormously big. That's, but he doesn't just say that. He says, so much the more. It's almost like he's saying, hey, do you get what I'm trying to say? I'm emphasizing this. You need more church, much church, so much the more church. Why? He tells us. As you see the day approaching. That's last year. Now is the time. Now is the time. But what is more? It's a greater quantity than we have now. You think about that. If we're saying more, it means whatever we have more now, we need a greater quantity of that. It's to a greater degree than we have now. It's having more willingness than we have now. It's having more commitment than we have now. More means whatever you have, go past that. Go forward with that. And so really if we think about it, he's telling us and we're thinking about it going into the future. And when we think about what we're doing towards the future, we like to call that having a vision for the future. And the vision for our future and the vision for the future of this church should not be what we have now. It ought to be more. Much more. So much the more. I'm not content with what we're just doing now. I've mentioned it over and over. I'm tired of building programs. Say, does that mean we're not going to have one in May? Check back in with me. But, but I'm tired of it. We're about done. The, the, the gymnasium floor is about done. The elevator's being made. And there's little small things we need. Say, Pastor, we're done with the building. Now we can go on. I don't know. You know what I would like to do, Doug? I'd like to come back in a couple years and say, we need more space. Actually, I don't want to, but I want to. I want to say, man, we're, more people are coming. God's blessing. I want more. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm in with you. Hang with me. That's a vision. More church. That's a vision for the future. We cannot be content with the now. We must have a vision for the future. Once our church quits having a vision for the future, we're dead. We're going to hang on. To, when you try to just hang on to what's going on, you're dead. 
You're not advancing, you're over. And I don't know about you, I don't want to spend what years I have left be just maintaining. Okay? I want to see God do more because I do realize that the day is approaching and there's going to be a day when it's done and we have no, nothing else we can do. We'll be in heaven, we'll be rejoicing, but I want to say, well, at least in our church, we tried to do what we could to the bitter end, better end. But a vi Now, I also believe that you ought to have a vision for your life, but your vision for your life should be attached in some way to your church. And I'm, talk I'm talking about from a spiritual plane. So as I looked, I did as we start the first message, I have a couple points here. It's a little bit late, but I will go super fast if you'll listen. I want us to understand the vision for more church. You know what's a vision for? Let me give you a couple thoughts. First of all, it's a vision for the church's effect in your life. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about the church's end all. When I say what God can do through our church in your life as we learn his truths. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with water. I'm sorry, thank you, pure water. You know, look, if we're honest with ourselves, if you just an honest peripheral reading of the New Testament, you cannot help but see that it demands a different lifestyle. You just can't. God wants your Christianity to make a radical difference in your life on a day-to-day -day basis. That's not me, that's him. That's not my words, that's scripture. You can't get around that. You need the word of God in a relationship with God as he's talking about drawing near. But you also need to be at church so that you are provoked to love and good works. See, one of the things we do when we're together, we provoke each other to do the things we're supposed to do. You know what the word provoked means? Are you ready? It means to irritate. Man, I kind of like that. I don't have to be nice at church anymore. So the pastor was just irritating today, just trying to be biblical. And it doesn't mean like that, by the way. Some of you, if, that's, if that was God's plan for, for everybody's life to be irritating, you nailed it. But that, you know, not irritating in that way, but irritating in a way like to do the right thing, right? How many of you are married? Okay, right, you ever have your spouse, you gotta do this. It's like, just, I don't wanna hear it. But it's the right thing to do. How many know what I'm talking about, right? You children, oh, my parents are always harping on me. I know, because it's the right thing to do. And so we, we lovingly provoke each other to do the things we're supposed to do. So a good church will push you in a good way, don't get me wrong and prod you in the right direction. I'm not going to just come up here each and every week and throw flowers at you and just say things and never say something that, that might have us think a little bit about, hey, am I supposed to live a certain way? That's my job, preach the word. And it's the same thing when you read the Bible. You read the Bible, it prods you. A good church will do that. Church needs to be a place where you are lovingly challenged to do more. We see the example of godly Christians. As a young Christian, it was very good. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I had no Christian example in my life at all. And as I walked into church and I saw some of these older Christians, they were an example and, and, and prodded me to do the right type of thing. You hear the preaching of the word of God. I'm not saying I'm the greatest preacher in the world, but, but if the truth is from the scripture, we think about it. We need the encouragement that we can get through different ministries and things that we do 
We need to be challenged to commit to do something for God and do so much the more. We also need the, the, to be equipped and, and strengthened and encouraged in the things that we do. My years of experience as a Christian has taught me that there is a deep connection between a commitment to church and living a life that is honoring and obedient to God. Now, I will say, I understand, there's a disclaimer. It doesn't mean everybody that comes faithfully to church is doing that, but they should. And you can't do the opposite. If someone is not faithfully going to church, I can guarantee you this, they are not completely honoring God in their life. There is no way, because that is a foundational baseline thing for us. And by the way, let me just say this. Never use the fact that you know a hypocrite to keep you. You say, well, pastor, I know in another church this bad thing happened. I can tell you seven or eight others. And by the way, not just Baptist church. Quit listening to that nonsense. It's, it's, been, it's been in the Bible. There are people in the Bible that did, I was almost said stupid, but that you shouldn't say stupid. Uh, dumb things that did dishonoring things. So does that mean I'm not going to read my Bible anymore? Oh, look what David did. I'm done. No. Because my example is Jesus. My example is God. By the way, do you have hypocrites at work? Are you going to quit your job? Okay? So don't, don't allow them to push you off of being the Christian God wants you to be. I'm, I, 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 that bothers me when people go sideways, but you know what? I don't want to go sideways. Let me say this, and maybe this won't be as, as encouraging as you think. We need more church because of its effect in our family. If there is anything that boggles my mind, Nothing boggles my mind more than somebody that would not be 100% uh, 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 seriously concerned about their children. And I'm not just saying love them because I, I, you love your children. I'm talking about what are they, what's going on in their life? What is their future going to be like? What, what are they, what's being brought into their mind? Sometimes as parents, I'll be honest with you, we're very slack. We're not careful about what we allow. So we allow the influence in the lives of our children that will not only be a detriment in their spirituality, but if we're not careful, it can be devastating in their life. We allow them to listen to music that has nothing to do with God and just gives them an appetite for things that aren't right. You ever notice the, the music of this world is so angry, right? Wonder why people want to go kill cops and all this. That's what their music's telling them. And by the way, why is it okay to say nonsense like that just because it has music behind it? Well, you shouldn't say these things. It offends people. Okay, then I'll sing it in a song. And then it's art. Come on now, why don't we think these things through? You're trying to teach your kids the right thing, and you let them listen to this music, and it's nonsense. And it's pushing them a different direction. It's emotional. And I'm okay with emotions, but man, you know what? If you want to be a spiritual snowflake, that's not going to help anything. Okay, look, motions are great. They should not be driving the bus. They're a passenger in the back. It's so irrational. You know, it's just, we allow them to watch things that violate every principle of Scripture and will cause confusions in their mind in what is right. I mean, I'm super sad. Coco Melon has went the wrong direction. I mean, how are our kids going to learn their ABCs now? Right? Coco Melon had a new cartoon, a family with two dads, and they're sitting there watching their son dress in front of them in a dress. 
Come on, what? Yeah, tutu. You know what a tutu is? An immoral dress. I don't know. Come on now. First of all, he doesn't need to be dancing. Give the kid a baseball bat. Give him boxing gloves. That's so violent. Well, maybe he'll grow up. I know. Pray for him. He may grow up and become a man. We got to be very careful. It's amazing. You know, here, here's what it is. And, and, and think with me. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I just want us to open our eyes this morning, okay? So, so take this in the spirit in which I'm giving it. In the last year or two, conserv- people who are politically conservative, not necessarily Christians, have had backlashes against companies that have come out woke. I mean, I'm talking about. And by the way, it's worked. And I'm okay with that. Bud Light came out with this nonsense, and, and even I quit drinking Bud Light. That was, about, that was about 40 years ago, by the way. My wife wouldn't let me once we got married. I'm like, <laughs> but, but, and yet, work with me here on this. Christians stick their head in the stand, and they have no problem with some of this stuff. You'll still let your kids watch these things. There's a lot of movies that maybe used to be semi-decent. They, now they throw in woke stuff. Oh, it's just that part. We'll fast forward. That's what they want. You do realize these companies know that when they do these things, they're initially on the front end going to lose money. But you know they're playing the long game because most Christians, believe it or not, they'll be back on board. Okay, that's, that's, I better move on. That was super silent. Here's the point is, I got to think about my family. I would be ashamed, and I'm not trying to condemn us. I'm trying to help us. I would be ashamed if someone who's not a Christian and is just politically motivated would have a stronger stance on things for their family than a Christian does. And can I just be honest with you? Our Christian, our, our country is going into the trash can because that is the absolute case. Christians are the ones. They'll sit there and they will, they will sit here and defend everything. A few months ago, I mentioned it was a Christian article in a Christian magazine by a Christian author defending Taylor Swift concert. And talking about how spiritual it was for him. I have an idea for him. Number one, he should get saved. And number two, he should get a Bible. And so that's very important. But as Christians, we can't stick our head in the sand. That's parents. Can I throw one more thing out there and then you'll really be upset. We'll move on. We allow them to be taught at institutions that are more interested in teaching new political woke philosophies and immoral behaviors then they are common sense and critical thinking. You say, Pastor, not at the school where my kid goes. Yes, at the school where your kid goes. Let's say go here. I'm just telling you. I've said this before, and I want you to just be with me. If in our Sunday school class you brought your children in and we taught them there is no God, they they evolved. If our Sunday school teacher got up, or Brother Chris in junior church right now, got up and said, listen, if you're a boy and you feel like it, you can become a girl. You would pull your kids out of our Sunday school class and our church like that, and I'd go with you. Well, first of all, I'm the pastor. I'd fire whoever said that. But we'll send them to a public school that says the same thing a hundred times stronger than that. We'll go to a public school that is now giving borderline pornographic books to kindergartners. All right, I lost half of you there, so can we just move on? And I can go on and on. Also, think about our marriages. By the way, God intends for both parents to be at church. You know, spirituality is a girl thing. Snap out of it. 
okay? It's, not, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a person thing. You know, we think, well, you know, wife takes the kids to Sunday school and I do my man stuff. Do your man stuff. We're not, like, we're going to come here and tell you not to do man stuff? I don't want you doing girl stuff. Okay, I'm all for man stuff, all right? I'm not for this feminine nonsense. But the point is this. Spirituality is for the men too. You say, man, I want my marriage to get better. Keep coming to church. You say, well, so we, we talk about this kind of stuff, family and so forth. But you know, if you learn any principle of the scripture that makes you a better person in life, a better character quality, it's going to make you a better husband and a better wife and a better parent and all those things. And so that's very important. And we better move on. Also, how about its effect in our community? See, the first two points are for us, right? It helps me in my life. It helps me in my family's life. But you know, church helps our community. See, God wants more than just Christianity for us. He wants to take the Christianity we got and take it out there. What is the second greatest command? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What is the greatest love you can express? I think it's the greatest love that God expressed in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, the greatest love you can express is get the gospel of those that don't have it. That's the greatest thing we can do. We have to get to our church. A church that never gets outside the walls of its building and into the community is not really fulfilling the purpose for which God has for them. Yes, we're to grow in our faith and all the things I've mentioned, but we do that to strengthen us and our families so we can be tools used by God to reach this world. We've mentioned over and over, and I don't want to belabor it, but we had such a great year last year. All that we did. I can go over a list of things. We've opened up and got into rest homes, and I'm so grateful for that. We just started two more yesterday. I appreciate our wheelchair folks and those that help get them here. They're some of my favorite people in the church. I don't like the rest of you. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, just getting out into the homeless community, reaching out to those. We've tried to expand in our bus routes. Our Sunday school classes grew. I think we passed out, I don't even keep track anymore, how many tracks we passed out. Our teenagers have been such a blessing. People come into church because our folks are inviting them. People show up to church because our teenagers go out and invite them. Very. But you know there's more that we can do. I have a list of plans. I'm not going to blow your mind with them. But we want to start more bus routes. So, well, pastor, we might need to buy a new bus. Remember that. Remember that. We're, we're going to start a Vietnamese ministry. Super excited about that. I want to start a Korean ministry. You say, how do you start a Korean ministry? I need a Korean. I, I need God to bring someone in that says, I can go reach these people. I can go reach my people. So I'm praying about that. Um, I want to, we, we go out into the homeless. I want to start a chapel ministry. We take it to them every Saturday. I want to get another wheelchair van, another van to bring people to church that need a ride. We're going to have more soul winning opportunities. We're going to restart Catch the pirate. Now, not just, for our, not just for our kids, which we're going to do that, for the bus ministry as well. I know you're thinking, Pastor, you're crazy. We do enough already. So much the more. 
And I'm not trying to burn you out. Let me just say this. You say, Pastor, we're already busy. You know, there's a lot of you that are new and you've been coming to church and you're growing in your faith and you're coming to more services. We want you to get involved as well. See, I, I, I came to church for six months and I, I just grew and I grew because I knew nothing of the Bible. But after six months, I heard that, you know what, it's time for me to jump in. You know what I jumped in? I went to a rest home ministry. Sunday afternoon. Now, they made the mistake of letting me preach. 18 years old, never said a thing in my life, and I went in there and told them all, they were going to die. <laughs> Death is coming. And they're all looking at me like, I'm sitting next to the Grim Reaper. Duh. <laughs> Be careful who you have to teach those things. I'll tell you what I'll back off. You ready? When this whole city is at church. Anyhow, next, our effect, also, I got to really hurry here. I don't want to go much longer. Uh, also, church is good for its effect in our world. We know that. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses uh, unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You see how it continues to spread? See, church affects my life, and I start to grow. And then I reach out, and it affects my family. And now I'm going to go beyond that to our community, but we got to go beyond that to this world. Tongi talked about that. This world needs Christ, and God did not give us an option to not let that go. By the way, I was very encouraged about all the different Pacific Baptist churches you guys are starting everywhere. And Brother Board and all this thing, you say, oh, that's great, now we need more. I hope some of you young people, you let God tug on your hearts if he wants you to go and get out there and do something for him. But our church needs to be at the forefront of reaching this world. How do we do that, Pastor, if I'm not going? Financially support. By the way, I'm very proud. Brother Tongdi, didn't we, uh, 20, we raised over $20,000 last year for your building. 24, it was Thursday night, the first night of our missions conference. He said something about the building, and I just got up and said, you know, it'd be nice if we just paid that $20,000. And by Monday, you've given enough money to buy that building. By the way, that's an investment in the world. We need to do that. By the way, this year, and I'm, I'm still working on it, I don't know how we're going to find the energy to do it. I want our church to start an agency where we raise money so that we can financially support the graduates from Brother Tongdi's Pacific Baptist Bible College in Laos, Brother Board's Pacific Baptist Bible College in Phnom Penh, we got to do it. Why? Those guys are ready. They just need, and by the way, they don't need a bunch of stuff. We'll support others. Don't get me wrong. But, but if we can help get those guys out, do you know we can multiply what's going on in this world? We can multiply what's going on in Southeast Asia? They're ready to go. Next, church helps us in our effect, its effect in our eternity. And this is the last one. We know in Hebrews chapter 11, the next chapter, where it talks about the heroes of the faith and all that they went through and all that they gave up and all those different things. And it talks about why they did it. And in the last phrase of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35, here was their motivation, really, that they might obtain a better resurrection. That when they stand before God, they'll stand before the God with the conscience clear that I did what I could for you. I didn't just live for myself, I lived for eternity. I wanted to do something to, 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 to make a difference in this world. So why do we need more church? Because of what it can accomplish. All these things we want to do, all these things we have done, and all these things we want to do, number one, we got to stay faithful. Got to stay faithful. 
Number two, we got to give financially. Okay? And we need to be, do all the things we need to do. But those of you that have been growing in your faith, God's going to use you. If you'll stick with it, you'll be a part of this church. You will be open to what God has. You're going to love this place even more than you love it now. Because once you get involved, it's like, man, I'm, I, God's using me for some reason. But we don't need less church in the time in which we live. And I, I, I don't gripe. I give you the truth about what's going on in our society because it, it's, it's the right thing to do and we need to know. But I can sit here and complain about it and tell you from a political standpoint, but I'm not, I don't want to go that, I want to go a spiritual standpoint. You know what it means when things are bad over here? That means the light is going to shine brighter. People are going to be confused. People are going to be afraid. People are going to find, there's got to be more to this life than all this division and all this nonsense. What is there? And we take the light that's in this room and we go out there and we shed it. And God can do great things. Now, what's your place? Are you allowing God to work in your life? Are you allowing God to use you to work in your family? Are you willing to be a part of us reaching into this community? Are we going to be a part of, of, of getting this gospel to this world and taking what we have everywhere? That's what God wants from us. Let's stand together this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed. Stand for just a minute. I know I went a couple minutes longer than I typically do. Thank you for listening. I talked a little fast. Church is important because of its effect in our life and how that affects this world and affects our community and affects our family, that next generation. How is church in your life? Is church something you understand that God wants you to be intricately involved with? Faithful to what's going on? Or is it just a religious duty I do every now and then to check back in with God? Oh, there's so much more that God wants for you. But you gotta be connected to the church. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not, you don't even, maybe it's new. And maybe some of the things I said, you didn't quite understand them. I and I'm not, I wasn't here to defend you. But that's okay. But here's the thing you need to understand if you're new. One of the first things I got when I went to church, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Do you know for sure when you died? If you, are you going to heaven? That's more important than anything. If you're here this morning, and here's the question, are you 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven, or do you have some doubt? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just ask this question. If that's you, if you say, Pastor, I'm not for sure that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven, but that's something I'd like to know. Pastor, would you pray for me? With nobody looking around, if you just briefly raise your hand up and I'll acknowledge it, and I'll, and I'll anybody like that, I'll just raise your hand. church. We need more church. God wants to do great things in this church, but he only does it through us. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you about anything, why don't you come to this altar and pray to him?